Tom Hartman's in the news, I was reminded that probably at about this time last year, we were talking about the Carolina Panthers, and he said after throwing four picks, I think it was, in the bowl game against Wisconsin in his hometown of Charlotte, it was really meaningful for him to go to the Manning Passing Academy before Wake had the big season they had last year. And he said the best interaction he had was not with Peyton or Eli Manning. It was with Jake DeLome, who's a Louisianan, joining us from Louisiana now. And the thing that stood out to him was he had a chance to talk to him about putting bad games in the past in the rear view and moving forward because, Jake, you had the playoff game where you had the interceptions and a few others as well that you had to be a pro about and move forward. And Sam told me that was something that really resonated with him. So I just wonder, like, aside from what you do with the Panthers now doing radio analyst stuff, how plugged in are you still with college quarterbacks and paying attention to the next crop of kids? Well, I do watch because I I love football. Don't get me wrong, but I'm probably more of a um, maybe NFL's number one, high school is number two, college is number three for me. And a lot of it is due to the fact that I'm flying on Saturdays uh, to head to Charlotte or wherever the Panthers are playing. So I miss a great deal of the games and whatnot. But I, I do follow it. I do know who the who the major players uh, are and. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy every aspect of sports, especially football. And I love quarterbacks. I love to see them succeed. And it's not always going to be the case. And, uh, you know, that Manning Passing uh, Academy, it's something that, that's near and dear to me. I was one of the uh, initial workers of that camp um, over 20-something years ago. Uh, back then, Eli Manning was a sophomore in high school. So, or maybe even a freshman. It was that long ago. Peyton and I were both in college. So, um, it's always good to go back to kind of see those guys, those young kids, who's the next kind of up-and-comers, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's part of a special fraternity. What have you liked about the things you've heard and what you've already seen on tape back in his Cleveland days of Baker Mayfield? Well, listen, I, I've, probably, uh, I've done probably like most people, or I've tried to find some scoop, I'll be very honest, you know, and I know a couple of people in Cleveland from my time there, albeit it was short, um, and they had nothing but good things to say about him. And uh, really and truly, they, I think the biggest thing was they all said, hey, don't worry about last year. He played so hurt last year. He said he had one, one injury after another, and, you know, it was remarkable that um, he was able to keep on coming back and play and talked about the 2020 season. That was so different, be it um, with the whole COVID uh, situation. Um, and then the year before that with, with the Freddie Kitchens deal, and that kind of really didn't play out. The Hugh Jackson didn't work out. So he had numerous coaches, but they had many good things to say about him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that's got some fire, got some energy, has some moxie to him. So I'm anxious to see once uh, some of these preseason games starts. And, and I, I'm like everyone else. I'm I'm reading everything. I follow Panthers.com pretty religiously and anxious uh, – you know, you hear what the coaches say. You hear what the players say. We get bits and pieces of highlights. So, um, you know, supposedly he's picking it up well. And it's uh, it's still going to be difficult for him, though. I mean, I, I keep saying it. He had no spring to go through he, and to meet the guys. And I know Coach Rule said he's making up for lost time. And that's great. And that's awesome. And I'm sure he is. But it's just it's still going to take time. It, even if he's the guy week one, it's going to take 
you know, multiple weeks to kind of get everything down pat and, and really kind of get a true kind of grasp of, of, of the team, of the players, of, of, of everything that goes on with being a quarterback. Yesterday seemed like a significant moment where the last practice that the starters had at training camp, it was end of practice. They had the two-minute drill. It went poorly for both Sam and Baker on Monday, but Baker was with the ones. Get the ball at the 40. You have 35 seconds to work with. And he led a touchdown drive, throwing one to DJ Moore. And the defense, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, they were ticked. And Brian Burns ran over to, to Matt Rule and said, we're running it back. We're running it back. So they did. And Baker led another touchdown drive, finding Christian McCaffrey on a third down to close things out. His numbers, 22 of 28 unofficially with six touchdowns, no interceptions. You tell me, though, as somebody who's been involved in quarterback competitions, do you think it's one more in practice or in the preseason games like Saturday where Matt Rule said both Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are expected to play? Oh, I think it's one. I think it's a combination of many things. I think it's one in the meeting room. It's one in the lunch room. It's, it, it's one in the weight room. It's one on the practice field. It's, and ultimately, it's one on the game field. Um, and, yes, I, I did see that. I thought that was great. Um, it's always fun to compete um, against yourself, and that's what the Panthers are doing right now. And, and I'm, I'm an offensive guy, but, and I do know this. The defense, they have a pretty good understanding of, of what some of the calls are uh, by the Panthers. You, I mean, you just know from, from going against your own team, you're going to hear calls and stuff like that. And I always felt defense had the advantage in, in that regard when you're going against your own team. Um, so that's a shot in the arm uh, for the offense, for Baker. Um, I don't think there's any doubt. Now, and listen, I'm not writing off Sam Darnold by any sure. stretch of the imagination, and you're probably going to have people rolling their eyes by me saying this, but when Christian McCaffrey was in the backfield with him last year, Sam played extremely good. Yes, we beat the Jets week one. They were not the best team. I get it. But the New Orleans Saints were not a bad football team, and Sam Darnold played pretty darn well against them in week two. Then we go to Houston. Really played well. Christian goes out, I think, the second quarter with the hamstring. Sam made some plays in the third and fourth quarter with his legs, some crucial third downs. Um, and then after that, it just kind of – he reverted back maybe to some old ways and struggled a little bit, and we never really found that identity offensively. I think we struggled up front, uh, uh, to say the least, uh, on the offensive line. I think we've addressed that. And so we'll see how it all shakes out. It's still a lot of time. And, you know – as I, I think about the season a lot, and maybe that's just my simple mind, the way it works. I love football season, and when I drive around and listen to radio and I think about the season, it's like it's such a long season. It used to be 16 games. Now it's 17, and I know it's just one more week, but it's like it takes four, five, six weeks the team to start to kind of develop and, and develop that identity and things of that nature. So, I mean, will we know what the Panthers of 2022 will be by mid-October? I'm hoping so, but it's going to take some time. Give me a really – it could be detailed, but I hope – I just want to understand it. People hear it to the point where it sounds like a cliche. Picking up the playbook. Obviously, that gives Darnold an advantage that he's been here longer and got to work with Ben McAdoo and OTAs. But people hear the expression, oh, yeah, Baker Mayfield's got to pick up the playbook to the point where it sounds cliche. You've actually had to pick up multiple playbooks during your entire career. 
What exactly specifically is difficult about doing that in the time that Baker has between now and the season opener? Well, okay, so I never, I had never been put in a situation like Baker has where you get traded after all the spring is done with and OTAs. I've never been in that situation. I got thrown, I say thrown in, my last year in Houston, I signed November 29th or 30th. That's totally different. You're in the, the end of the season. They had some injuries. I was going in to back up TJ Yates. Um, that was extremely, extremely difficult because I didn't know a one coach, a one player, a, anybody. So you're just trying to navigate your way through that. Through that. Now, Baker, so when you start in the offseason, like Ben McAdoo, and I've played – Ben McAdoo was under Mike McCarthy for years. And I had Mike McCarthy with the Saints, who was my offensive coordinator for three years. When we started with what we called quarterback school was March. We reported three weeks prior to everyone else. It's page one of the playbook. This is where the center is lined up from the ball, seven yards. His heel is seven yards from the ball. This is where the guards, the tackles, everybody lines up in the huddle. That's page one. You're going through every single page of the playbook. And you're going to finish that whole playbook. By the time in every situation and, and whatnot, uh, short yardage, goal line, two minutes, everything you're going to do by the middle of June. And then when you go to training camp, it'll be your second time going over it again. Well, now, ba- so Sam's going over it, just kind of reinforcing it again, where Baker, okay, this is what I'm, I'm learning. And this is a training camp setting. This is not an off-season setting where you have – four days during the week and you have the weekend to digest and study a little more. This is just one install after another, after another. And so it's just the first time while you're meeting players, while you're learning about, Hey, did he buy a house in Charlotte? (laughs) Things like that. You, you just, I mean, it's just everything that goes along with it. So I always felt that's a huge disadvantage in a roundabout way for Baker, because that's a lot to overcome. And Sam had the upper hand. And it's still very early on, but obviously it's encouraging hearing what Matt Rule has said and some of the reports coming out of camp uh, that Baker has done some good things. But here's my question, though. At what point, you're mentioning the disadvantage he has just by not having the reps and the walkthroughs that Darnold had in OTAs and learning the playbook and such. At what point do you get it? If it's close, or do you think if Baker's better than Darnold over a couple of weeks span, say this week leading to Washington and also at practice with New England, do, do you get to a point where it almost hurts you that Baker's not getting more reps if, in fact, you think he can be your starting quarterback? Uh, I mean, I think somewhat. I, listen, I'm very diff- – I, I feel a little different in a certain way is that the year we go to the Super Bowl – with the Panthers in 03, I didn't start playing until midway through the second, uh, the, the the third quarter of the first game. Yeah. And all training camp, myself, Rodney Pete, and Chris Winkie, we split reps. So it wasn't two of us, it was three of us. And that's kind of the rotations that we had. And uh, Chris and Rodney had both been in the system a whole year longer than me. Rodney from multiple, multiple years because he had played with Dan Henning before, under Dan Henning before. So we were splitting it in reps of threes. So it just, yeah, would I have liked to have gotten more reps before the uh, uh, halftime of the uh, first game? Absolutely. <laughs> but that's just the hand that I was dealt, and I just kind of had to learn along, uh, kind of learn along the way. But that's part of it. So, listen, I think 
this preseason game, how much will they play? I can't answer that. You really and truly, how much game planning is involved, you would think extremely little. But next week, the practices against New England, that's going to be crucial. That's going to be huge. Situations you can be thrown into. And I would assume you want to challenge yourself, and I'm assuming Matt Rule is going to do, do this. this. He wants to challenge this team in every way possible, every scenario, first down, second down, uh, base blitz, sub blitz, third down, red zone, short yardage, goal line, two minute. I mean, you want to get every scenario that you can in the practice setting uh, against some new faces. So I think you'll start to see um, if there is a separation, it seems you'll start to see some type of separation at some point. But it could not be a separation. Sam could play some really good football. We've seen uh, it hasn't been maybe enough stretches of, of real good quality football, but we've seen stretches of good football. Take the Lums with us here, referencing that first game you played against the Jaguars coming from behind. You had the touchdown pass to Ricky Prohl at the end. Ricky Prohl, probably listening to this right now. He lives in Greensboro, a good friend of ours, uh, doing a lot of great charity work around here. Jake DeLome is joining us, I believe, from the great state of Louisiana. And you were talking about um, the 2003 team where uh, Panthers Hall of Famer now was an assistant coach who was inducted into the Hall this past weekend, Sam Mills. What were your memories of him as just one of the coaches that you had, even though it wasn't one of your position coaches? Well, you, you have to understand, Josh, uh, growing up in Louisiana, two hours from New Orleans, um, uh, yeah, followed the Saints growing up. And the, the Dome Patrol, the Saints defense yes. in the 80s, was something that was just um, – it was there wasn't much to be proud of, I think, with the Saints way back when. I mean, yes, the Saints had Archie Manning, and, and he was the, the shining star. Um, but then after that, it was just it was slim years for so many years. So the Dome Patrol was something I think we were so proud of. And I had the poster up on my wall of, you know, Ricky Jackson, Vaughn Johnson, Pat Swilling, and then Sam Mills. And I think um, everybody just kind of fell in love with Sam, and it resonated with Sam. He was the – the overachiever, the guy who was um, couldn't even get into NFL training camp, got cut, had to go in the USFL, and the field mouth just kind of became his moniker. And people just loved him, and they loved the way he was off the field. He was so approachable. And so that was my my feelings of Sam Mill. was like, man, that, that's the field mouth. That's the Dome Patrol. That's the poster that I had up in my, on my wall growing up. So when I went to Carolina in 03 and – I remember meeting him at some off-season workouts, and and it's like to myself, I was in awe. Like that's Sam Mills, and then just to be around him and watch him coach, and he's just kind of one of the guys. And there's a statue of him outside the stadium, and then for him to get the diagnosis in training camp of cancer was kind of a a gut punch to the football team. Could imagine what he and his family were going through, but I mean the whole football team was just devastated. Then the week after, Mark Fields, uh, he came down with a sickness. He had a form of cancer, so our our team was kind of shell shocked. But just to see Sam kind of battle through it, I think we all knew Mark. The prognosis was very good of him uh, overcoming this cancer that he had. But Sam, I think everyone knew it. It was a. It really wasn't a great secret that it was terminal. Every everyone knew that, and so. Just to watch him, what he went through, the chemo, uh, and still coaching at practice, running the 110s before practice, and just never feeling sorry for himself. It was, um, uh, gosh, it was, he was just Sam Mills. And it's just, I, I talk about him in reverential terms because it's not because he's gone, but that's just who he was when he was here. 
You know, he was just that, that rock-solid guy. Yeah, I'm just glad you're talking about him as the football player because I think when people think about that statue, there's almost like this uh, this thinking that, oh, it's all about keep pounding and him as an inspiration why that statue exists. No, 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 no. That statue was put up five years before that diagnosis because of what he was, Dome Patrol in the first few years of the Carolina Panthers. Now, I like the image in my head, Jake, of his bust talking, as John Madden said in his famous speech, to the other busts in Canton. And who knows? Steve Smith, he's eligible. Julius Peppers, two years from now, he's going to be eligible. Maybe a first ballot guy. So uh, does Jake DeLome probably have some trips to Canton in the books in the next couple of years? Uh, listen, I hope so. I, I really and truly hope so. I, uh, I'm going to be very honest, and I'm very bullish on this. I'm still floored that Steve I, – I, it still blows my mind. I, I'm sorry. I just – I don't see it. I don't get it. I, I always thought Steve was a first ballot guy. I just, I mean, he was over a decade. I always looked at it this way. When, when teams have to game plan around you, and that's the number one person you put on the board, we have to stop this person. And Steve was that guy for well over a decade. I'm not talking just a five-year span. It was over a decade. Even when he finished in Baltimore at the end, he was 36. He was their best receiver at 38, uh, 36 years old. I mean, he led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns yeah. in 2005. Listen, and and I, I mean, you can speak I'll, to it. The Chicago game, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver in a playoff game who had the impact in a playoff game like he had that day. Uh, he just I, – I, I'm bullish on him, and, yes, I'm biased 100%. But – Players, you talk to players from around the league that played against him, they'll always say that was nightmares to have to prepare for Steve and to play against them, defensive coaches. Um, Julius, yes, you certainly would think he would be a first ballot guy. Um, just, it was just Julius. I don't think there's much more to What's say the there. craziest thing you ever saw Julius do athletically on a football field or in the weight room? Well, no, it was more so, uh, we were, it was during practice one time at Spartanburg and, um, I, we were throwing a screen, and so I dropped back, and he's going against Jordan, and um, you know Jordan wasn't going to cut him. He just kind of—that's a gentleman's thing. You're not going to cut your own teammate, and you know I dropped back. I'm not looking at Julius. Kind of shoulder fake, and then you you retreat back, and you kind of go up in the air, and I'm I'm gonna just throw the ball right up and over him to Deshaun Foster, the running back. Just boom, I'm gonna hit him. Julius jumps up with that left hand, and it's just like the go-go gadget arm just keeps going up, tips it into the air, grabs it with one hand, and takes off the other way. And I remember the team kind of like laughed, started gas like it was a gas-type laugh. And I remember looking at John Fox, and Fox looked at me, and he had the whistle in his mouth and just started laughing and shaking his head, and he said, good thing he's on our team. <laughs> it's just he did things that were effortless, but on the in a game field – he ran down Michael Pittman in Panther Stadium. Um, I think it was a screenplay, and Michael Pittman is down the Pan uh, Tampa sideline just hauling it to the end zone, and all of a sudden you see Julius Peppers just come trucking and runs him down and tackles him. And that was just things like that, that he just he made it look effortless, and, and it, was so, it was so easy. Um, and then again, Luke Keekley. Um, yes. I'm hopeful with the Tony, Tony Baselli uh, being inducted. Tony played seven years. I think it was seven. Uh, Terrell Davis did not play that long. Lucas played uh, uh, one more year than them. All the 
not not really worried about Pro Bowls, the All Pros. How many times Luke was an All Pro, Rookie of the Year, NFL Defensive Player of the Year? Um, I don't think there was any doubt he was certainly on his way. Um, and and I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that he's he he was able to do enough. So we hope Steve Smith gets in next year. Julius Peppers is going to be eligible the year after that. And as you mentioned, 2025, Luke Kuechly going to be eligible. Jake Delome, it's uh, good to hear your voice. That means football is near and hope to see you out the stadium sometime soon. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. It cannot get here soon enough. <laughs>